anytime you're in a series and and you're you're behind the intensity over the neck for the next game ramps up and that's kind of where we're at right now for the golden knights i think you're going to get this building full in a couple of hours and it's going to be filled with nervous energy excited energy but nervous energy the other night there was a lot of anticipation for the game yeah and the start of the stanley cup playoffs and there were some good chances early on but we never got the goal to blow the roof off the place and really get it going. There was relief, relieved ovation from the Marc-Andre Fleury saves uh, and those 10 bell stops with the left hand, but never never really got it grooving the way we were witnessed in the past. That tonight, like the first goal is always important. We love saying that in, in our sport. <laughs> got to get off to a good start. Got to get to a first goal. Jonathan Marshall basically said it today. Mm-hmm. We have to have the lead after the first period. But just to bring it all together, I think a good start and finding the back of the net in that opening 20 minutes is massive tonight. Yeah, 100%. I think for a team that that didn't score in regulation, didn't score obviously in overtime, they need to get the confidence going in their ability to score goals against Cam Talbot in the Minnesota Wild. And that starts in the first 10 to 15 minutes of the opening period. I want to see the Golden Knights go out and, and really go after that first goal of the game. I want it to be an inevitability that the Golden Knights are going to be the team that finds the back of the net early. I want them to go out and play with that intensity first five to ten minutes of this game. It'll do two things. It'll allow the crowd to settle in and get involved in the process of cheering in the Stanley Cup playoff game, which is big. But it'll also allow those 20 players and the coaching staff to just go, okay, we can put that aside. Sure. This this whole thing about not being able to score, and uh, I think in the last nine playoff games, they've been shut out three times uh, going back to the bubble. That narrative, I can't believe how quickly that sprung up in the minutes after the game on on Sunday. And it just exploded. It was like one of those super crops. You put one seed in, the whole field uh, starts uh, coming up with with, uh, plants. It it just occurred (laughs) over a matter of a second. Yeah. They can squash that, put it to the side. Because they're not. The the players and the coaches, you've listened to them the last couple of days. There's no correlation between last September and last August, to what happened on Sunday. There isn't. But the stats and the scoring lines from playoff game to playoff game to playoff game, it doesn't know there was eight months Mm -hmm. to playoff game on Sunday, show that there's been a drop-off in offense. And uh, for lack of uh, anything to talk about from the win, from uh, the fact that they weren't able to beat Cam Talbot, it becomes a major uh, talking point. No, I, I mean, it's absolutely a talking point for the Golden Knights. It's absolutely a top, talking point for their fans because, you know, again, it's you, you start to look at these things through a, a different lens, right? If you're a fan of the Golden Knights and you look at the fact that they were unable to score in game number one, you just immediately go back to yeah. what you remember from the last run. And it's a new season. It's a new playoff series. One game doesn't make a trend. Right? Like it doesn't make a trend. If the Golden Knights go out and score five goals, it's not it's not to suggest they're going to score five goals every single game from here until the end of the playoffs. Like 
it's it's going to be difficult. It's hard to score in the playoffs. A lot of teams are going to see their production dip in the postseason. But for the Golden Knights tonight, it's more about just finding ways to push the Minnesota Wild into uncomfortable territory. Throughout this season, I don't think the Minnesota Wild have been uncomfortable playing the Golden Knights for various points of time. It's It's been here and there, just not enough. I want the Golden Knights to really take the game to Minnesota. You didn't think they did that in the first period? Oh, I think they did, absolutely, but they didn't have anything to show for it on the on the scoreboard. And and I think it's one thing to, to gain confidence because you're playing that way, but it's also easy to, to kind of have it deflate you a bit when you don't have that tangible score on the board to reward that hard work. The strange thing for me is, and, and I can look at it, I have the luxury of being able to sit back and look at this uh, from 30,000 feet. And what happened last summer was unique. That was that team. I look at this club as the, the team that scored five goals or more 20 times in a 56-game season. That's my basis. That's my trend that I bring in. That was a one-off. Mm-hmm. But the players have to prove that that was a one-off. They have to go out and put it aside themselves and score. And tonight is is about the result, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Game one, I can I can be sold on, play well, didn't get the win, happy with what happened, we can improve in a certain area. Tonight, it's about the result. Mm-hmm. But following up on that, you can do yourself a whole lot of darn hockey god good by putting four, five on the board. No, I, I agree 100%. And, and for me, like, I, you know, I, I look at this game and the process matters a little bit less. And that's not something I say often mm-hmm. because the result is really all I that agree matters, with you. right? Yeah. Like, I don't really care how the Golden Knights get it done. It's just that they get it done. It's just at the end of, at the end of 60, 60 minutes or the end of however many overtimes we're going – the Golden Knights have more goals than the Minnesota Wild. They even the series. That's first and foremost. The process, that's secondary for me in this one. But I think if you can marry the two, if you can marry the result with a process that sees you score three or four goals, that's best-case scenario for the Golden Knights. You've covered every series that the Vegas Golden Knights have played. You've either been in the arena or you've been on the radio talking about it. Mm-hmm. So we're going back another three years. Expansion year make it to the Stanley Cup final. Out in the first round after that uh, unpredictable, unlikely, weird, and uh, never to be forgotten, but uh, pull the covers over your eyes, year number two. And then last season in the bubble. Three very different scenarios Mm -hmm. and journeys for the Vegas Golden Knights. How many times have they lost an opener in a series? I think it's three times. How many times have they been down 0-2? They haven't. There you go. Yeah. So... History suggests that they've been a, done a very good job of bouncing back. The most famous one was running into that buzzsaw in Winnipeg in Game 1 of the Western Conference Final in 2018. And Gary Lawless reminded me this morning on the uh, VGK Morning Skate, that live stream, mm-hmm. that the back half of that game was very even. In fact, Vegas made a push and could have made it interesting if not for a disallowed goal. I forgot about the disallowed goal. And John the Marsh so came up with a, a great quote, standing up there saying, we'll be better. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm expecting tonight. Yeah. 
is that type of response. This is a much less emotional team than 2018, than 2019. Mm-hmm. This is a very pragmatic team, very veteran-laden, highly skilled team, confident team. Mm-hmm. I would like to see a little bit of more, a little bit more of the misfit identity tonight. Not not for the entire playoffs, because I, I I think this this club is is really good in in and comfortable in their own skin. Mm-hmm. But for this one game coming off what we saw on Sunday, I would like to just witness. Some nasty, greasy, scrummy, kerfuffly, dirty uh, presence tonight. Have have they come too far from that identity, though? No, because you can't play that same way. Not yeah. when you're this good. Right. Not when you're this skilled. Sure. To- to- totally different team. So you, you, you just, it's not in, in your DNA. When you're... When you're the scrappy underdog, yeah, you have to go. Spike, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get. Uh, this is different, but but it's not to say that you can't show signs of it. Pull and, a little bit, and, and I don't and I and I don't think that uh, that they lack emotion. Mm-hmm. I just think that there would be it, it would be nice to see a little bit of that spunkiness uh, early on in this game, just as a, as a measure of pushing. The Minnesota Wild back, who, who, quite honestly, have done everything right yes. against the Golden Knights. Yeah. As, as a franchise over the the four years, mm-hmm. this season, uh, only lost one game in regulation to Vegas, uh, and then have the one nothing lead. Like that should be a confident group over there, led by Dean Evason. So you have to do something to get their attention, even though the standings say it's two three, and Vegas is a forty win team with a tie for first place overall there's there's a, a slight part of it that says push it back give it back to them so we go back to the regular season we go back to that two games set in Colorado where the Golden Knights lose and it's a no doubter for Colorado yeah. you go back to Marc-Andre Fleury the Golden Knights play inspired hockey they get the win they they draw even again in the regular season series with the Colorado Avalanche. And after the game, Pete DeBoer says, for the doubters, for those of you that stuck around, thanks for doing that. I like the idea of the Golden Knights coming into this game with that same mentality, saying, there's something we've got to prove here. Let's go prove it. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that maybe it's not, maybe it's not adopting the, the mindset of the underdog, but just adopting the mindset of, we're going to go show the Minnesota Wild that they don't have our number. Yes. We're going to go show the Minnesota Wild that they might be confident now, but when we head to Minnesota, they're not going to be confident about game three and four. And that's really what I want to see from the Golden Knights tonight. And don't put yourself, make sure you're not in a position to have to be desperate. And that's what it would be. Sure. You're down 0-2 going on the road uh, to, to that place. Refer to it as that place. <laughs> you know, everybody knows that place. Down, down there around the corner by the oak tree, you don't want to go to that place. No. Bad things all. happen in that place. I agree with you. You, you want to avoid that all you can. Now, I, I'm a little bit surprised at the fragility of the fan base. A little bit. Because the season has been dynamic and you have this amazing team. Mm-hmm. But just... Because it's Minnesota, 
I think it's fed into this narrative. And I don't think the players feel it, but I'm a little bit surprised by the fan base. And it's going to take a couple of efforts to get everybody over that and get them past that. More so, more so for the for the fan base, but the players have to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, I think that a, a couple of wins against Minnesota, and you know, we've at various points this season used the term "no doubters," right? Yeah. Uh, a no doubter tonight would go a long way to, I think, calming some of those those insecurities yes. about this series. I, I really do. But you know, as far as the players go, I, I I don't think there's anyone in that room that's sitting there saying. We can't beat no, the No, 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 not at all. Not at all. No, and, and and that's a good thing. Obviously, that's what you want. But in terms of the fans, like I, I can understand it. I can, I can really understand where they're coming from. Simply because, again, you're going to, even if there isn't a correlation, you're going to correlate what happened, what has happened in the past in playoff games, in which the Golden Knights weren't able to score. You're going to look at those and see similar traits in the game on on Sat on Sunday. And that's immediately where your mind's going to go. A great performance for the Golden Knights changes that, but that's what has to happen. The Golden Knights have aspirations beyond tonight, beyond this series, yes, beyond the second round and any potential meeting with the Colorado Avalanche. The hopes for this team is a 16-win Stanley Cup postseason. If the Golden Knights can get to that stage, Ryan, this will be a mere footnote. It may not even, it may be one of those small sticky notes, not even a full sticky note, just a little, little purple thing up, up there. Th that's what this will be. But right now, in this moment, it's pretty tense. <laughs> I, I think this series represents like the Golden Knights superhero moment, right? Mm. Like, this is one of those series where, on paper, you go into it, the Golden Knights are heavily favored. You look at the season that they had, they're clearly the favorite team here. And they've got designs, aspirations, and they're going up against a team that can play free, that's realizing they, they've got something going. Their window is just opening in the Minnesota Wild. All the pressure in this series is on the Vegas Golden Knights. And Minnesota's a team that just takes away the middle of the ice. They make it very difficult to score, and that's something that I think represents um, trouble or has in the past for the Golden Knights. And if you get out of this series, if you turn what is, has plagued you before into a series that you can dominate, into a series that you win handily, then it's your, your big moment. It's that big defining moment series that announces the Golden Knights are making a statement that they are going on a deep run. And I think that this is a great opportunity for Vegas to really take this series right now. Starts tonight. Has to. You would know this way more than me. Yeah. What, what analogy would you use in a superhero reference? Is this Lex going up to Superman's home in the North Pole? This where, is where, where Superman's from. This is like uh, we're not going. We're not going there. That's not happening. Um, no, this is this is more like. Did you just say Superman is from the North Pole? Oh, jeez. Here we go. Would you like to explain it to him? That's where he's from. He's not from there. It's the. Uh, he's not from the, there. Uh, Fortress of Solitude. He's not from there. But it would this, would this he's be not like from there. Lex Luthor going up to the Fortress of Solitude, trying to break in? Is that what we're looking at here? No, this is this is. He's more from like, Krypton, Darren. 
the planet Krypton. I know we had this conversation before. Oh, no. Okay. Well, not with not with Chapman. Oh, yeah. It was it was Justice. Oh right. Oh, this is like again. this is like an inside joke between you and me, and Chapman's <laughs> on the outside. He doesn't like it. No, well, well, I'm I'm not going to say anything else. But Darren, love, you're wrong. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you do. I love inside jokes. One day I want to be a part of one. It's a Michael Scott reference. Okay, listen. I, like for me, it's it's one of those situations where like, you know, you've you've got Peter Parker. Right, you've got you've got Peter Parker trying to determine how he's going to be Spider-Man, what things he's going to do. Is he just going to use his powers for, uh, you know, petty criminals? Is he just going to kind of do things that that make him feel good, or is he going to try to help the greater good? Like that's one of those situations where I think the Golden Knights are going into a situation where they recognize this is a team in Minnesota that represents teams that in the past have given them issues. Minnesota's given them issues ever since they've been a team, right? Like, that is where the Golden Knights have struggled the most in terms of stringing together or finding wins. If you get past that roadblock, I think it opens up everything. It allows the Golden Knights to really just put it all behind them and go out and play. Would you be willing to buy into my theory that drawing the Minnesota Wild in the first round isn't such a bad thing? That you can that you can brush something aside, get over past a demon, or past yeah. a villain in the first round, and then right now there's no guarantee that uh, success is going to follow just because you get over that hump. But we've we've witnessed teams in the past that couldn't get past either the first round mm-hmm. or f- beyond an opponent, or had difficulties uh, with their goaltending, and uh, there was little little areas that always held them back. Could they could they solve that one challenge? This might be the one challenge, and then Vegas can go. I mean, it's it's really weird to be talking about a team that uh, that is behind any type of eight ball mm-hmm. because they're not. Yeah, they are not. It's one game, but because the team's been to two conference finals, a Stanley Cup final in three years. It's like I'm with you. I, I kind of feel like it represents Tampa last year having to go through Columbus, right? Like. That's a Very team yes. that you had to go through. And, and, and not because it had to be Columbus, but you just had to make sure that you checked that box on your way. Mm. And, and, like and how did that series start? Like with 42 overtimes? Yes, 100%. And then, and then like, it's almost in, in, a, in a similar vein to the Washington Capitals, right? Like the Washington Capitals, en route to a Stanley Cup, had to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, and if you go through any other team, maybe it doesn't work out the same way, but because you're able to go through that team, and it's not to say that, that I think Minnesota is to Vegas what Pittsburgh was to Washington or Columbus was to Tampa. I think maybe Columbus-Tampa is a better reference point, but you know, I, I do think that there's something here for the Golden Knights to, to get into a big moment, big series against a team that historically they've struggled against and then get beyond it win four of seven against a team that you haven't been able to do that to this point and then go from there and and that washington team that got through the pittsburgh penguins had the confidence from rallying from two nothing down in round one yeah in which they changed goaltenders that that's not going to happen here uh because they either are going with a rotation or it's mark andre fleury and he was spectacular yes uh in in the opening game defeat but there was that confidence so it it actually the, the meeting against Pittsburgh arrived having already overcome adversity. If Vegas can 
beat Minnesota, the likely opponent is Colorado, you've already come past something, and you have that uh, bond and, and that confidence. Uh, this, is a, this is a long way, buddy, from, from last summer. Mm-hmm. When, when the playoffs started, it was right when I joined the show. It was, it was the most um, benign beginning to a professional playoff ever <laughs> because they had that four-team round robin. Uh-huh, played yeah. three games. All it, all it did was dictate seeding. Yep. They wanted the number one seed, yep. but it wasn't, it wasn't a must. And they, they got the number one seed, but there was no elimination factor to it. They had some tough games. They had the rally against St. Louis. They had the big uh, overtime win over Colorado. But there was nothing on the line. And then they skated through that series against Chicago in five. Yep. A little closer near the end. Mm-hmm. Not as big of a gap between the two teams. But Corey Crawford was spectacular. And only then did it really get tense mm-hmm. into the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And they'd already played eight games. Right. This, it's one game in. Yeah. And we're talking about what do they have to do, and we're trying to marry the angst of fans connecting to what happened last summer in the back end uh, of the playoffs, saying that doesn't have anything to do with it, and trying to uh, also be cognizant of the fact that this is a team that's minus its best goal scorer that has to find a way to score and score more than than they did last summer. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think there's real value in going through adversity. And the Golden Knights throughout this season, it's a 40-win season and a 56-game schedule, but they, they battled injuries all year long. This is a team that understands how to deal with adversity. Right now, dropping game one, that's tangible adversity they're going to have to face. They're going to have to figure out a way to get this back to square and get the series back in their favor going to Minnesota. Now, that all being said, there isn't a Stanley Cup winner that hasn't had to or isn't going to have to battle through some adversity. For the Golden Knights, having a tougher road isn't the worst thing in the world because you get out of this, you're more battle-tested, you're you're more battle-ready. And I think that that's really a good thing. Having this series against Minnesota, I know it scared a lot of fans, but you get past this one, it makes the Golden Knights more set up, in my opinion, for a deep run. So you're talking, when you say uh, adversity isn't a bad thing, yeah. you're, you're talking purely in sports, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Because, I mean, when, when in, like, in my life, mm-hmm. I do uh, subscribe to the easy route on, on I, every single level. I get it. Like, if there's a shortcut for me, I am taking that shortcut. But yeah. in professional sports, adversity can, can build a little character. Life, I need less character, more easy. That's, That's my ex- way to, to look at it. Explains yeah, so much yeah, about you. I, I know. I yeah. know. It's all coming true, doesn't isn't it? Uh, we will uh, get to Pete DeBoer, uh, Jonathan Marshall, what they had to say today uh, in an, uh, advance of Game 2 of this West Division first-round series. Goaltending and the status of Max Pacioretty continue to be big topics. So we will dive into those areas, plus other games, other series underway in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, We are live from T-Mobile Arena. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Getting you set for game two. Kind of sums up the mood a little bit. Casual. 
little nervy. Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace uh, high above the ice surface at T-Mobile Arena. Minnesota Wild lead the set one game to none. There's been one goal scored in this series. Joel Erickson-Eck putting one home in uh, the early parts of overtime on Sunday afternoon. Vegas Golden Knights want to score. They want to be physically dominant. There was uh, over 100 hits, by the way, in that game on Sunday as both teams uh, took the opportunity to finish every check that they could. Uh, there's a lot of different things that, that are going into and funneling towards uh, the middle of this one. The opening two games being played at T-Mobile Arena. Power play would like to get going for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we'll run it all down for you uh, in more detail coming up at the top of the clock, including the speculation surrounding whether or not it's Marc-Andre Fleury uh, going tonight. He was the first off the ice at the morning skate today, as many people uh, take that as an indication of uh, the uh, starter for that particular night. But there, there's other action to talk about, Ryan Wallace. Mm -hmm. And the Boston Bruins, yep. even their series against the Washington Capitals, yep. thanks to an overtime goal from Brad Marchand, Ooh, who beautiful. delivered a knockout punch earlier in the game to the midsection of one capital defender and then put home the uh, overtime goal. The fastest overtime goal in playoff history for the Boston Bruins, eclipsing that goal, that famous leap by Bobby Orr back in 1970. 39 seconds in yesterday, and it was off a bad change by the Capitals. Mm -hmm. Explain to me this. Okay. 39 seconds in. Mm -hmm. Like, chaos hasn't even had a chance to really get established sure. in a period. How can it be a bad change 39 seconds in? I... I just, maybe you're not, I mean, well, okay, overtime, it's the long change, right? So you're on the opposite end of the rink. You're, you're trying to make the right decision. It was more a bad clear and then just getting caught out of position. You had two defenders for the Washington Capitals that were crossed up, didn't really know which guy was going to try to jump into that lane, and the pass was perfect, and, and the finish from Marshand was fantastic. I don't know why the Washington Capitals weren't ready to start the overtime period, uh, but I'll take the win for Boston, the team that I have never had a bad thing to say. And about. Taylor Hall ends up being a hero for the Boston Bruins, and it's not in Taylor Hall fashion where he's using his speed or yeah. his shot uh, coming down the wall. It's getting in front of the net in a crazy scramble in which the Capitals actually did harm to themselves <laughs> by, uh, by knocking <laughs> players around and the puck came loose. And Taylor Hall getting his nose dirty yeah. uh, comes up big. So a plus addition at the trade deadline pays dividends early. Yeah, I mean, that was a great moment for Taylor Hall. And, and you know, you're, you're exactly right. It's not the traditional Taylor Hall goal. It's not the traditional Taylor Hall type of play. But it really goes to show you how you've got to score sometimes in the playoffs. For the Boston Bruins, they, they weren't able to generate some of the looks that they'd like. And the game-tying goal comes on a mad scramble in front of the net and you get a couple of fortuitous bounces puck never gets covered and taylor hall's right there in the blue paint putting it home like that's a, a great great goal for the boston bruins and a really good moment for taylor hall i've been able to watch a lot of that series yeah and nothing's been determined for me as far no. as which way it, it's tilting uh, and you would think that there would be a little bit of that, especially with Craig Anderson coming in and in relief in game one and st in getting the start in mm -hmm. game two over Phoenix Copley. And why is that a surprise? Well, Phoenix Copley of the Washington Capitals partnered with Zach Vukali, 
with the Hershey Bears this year, uh-huh. and they won the trophy, the, the equal to the Jennings Trophy in the American Hockey League, for allowing the fewest goals against in, in the AHL. Copley's played a lot this year. Craig Anderson played like three games before going in in relief in game number one. I, I thought there was a really good possibility that it would be Copley getting the start in, in game two. It wasn't. Now, it wasn't Craig Anderson's fault no. uh, that that, game, that series is split uh, going back to Boston. But it does create, we think we've, uh, we're, we're following a, a goaltending dilemma or a decision mm-hmm. uh, with Vegas. That's a real intriguing one now. I, I still think they're going to go back to Craig Anderson. I, I just, there's, there's something about Anderson in the playoffs, and I think you're kind of hoping to bank off on that. And he was perfectly fine in that game. You, you mentioned the, the, the two goals late that beat him. It's, again, not really getting any help from his team and clearing out a rebound, actually having a, a teammate push a player on top of him so he can't reset and try to make a save. And then you look at the play that Brad Marchand scores on, and it's just an unbelievable set of passing. And so I would be surprised if Craig Anderson isn't the goaltender for the Washington Capitals in Game 3. What about Ilya Samsonov? I, I mean, I, I don't really know the story there. Like, why, I don't either. Why isn't he available? He was benched for some kind of mm-hmm. discipline issue. Right. And then there was the COVID issue. Yep. But he's been activated. Does he still need some practices to get back in shape? Uh, is the coach sour with them? Uh-huh. Yeah. But, yeah, there's some intrigue there. Uh, Washington Capitals uh, and the uh, the Boston Bruins going at it. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes in front of a, a crowd of 53,000 uh, at the PNC Arena in in, Pitt, in uh, Carolina in Raleigh uh, win. Did you see that crowd last night? 53,000. That's uh, that's. that's Maybe a little bit of an overstatement, just a little bit. Okay, they said there was 11,000, 12,000. They said 12,000. Okay, there was more than 12,000 people. It was, it was an atmosphere, man. Yeah. Like, it was wild. It was absolutely wild. And, you know, like, I'm going to give the Nashville Predators credit because it was a game through 35, 40 minutes. But the Carolina Hurricanes, as we've talked about, right, like how are they going to respond in this series as the favorites not as that plucky young team that's that's just learning how like what they can be in the playoffs but a team that's expected to win i thought they had a really strong showing in game one i don't know where that one's gonna go but carolina is better more entertaining and can score more than anybody will admit beyond (laughs) rod brindamore who totally believes in his hockey club yeah but everybody else will be surprised at how much they can and how quickly they can get up and down the ice. Uh, Jordan Bennington put on a show last night for the St. Louis Blues. Wasn't enough as the Colorado Avalanche uh, reply in the third period. Uh, And that big line for Colorado, it struggled a little bit down the season, injury and uh, and COVID uh, taking its toll. But from the fight early on from Gabriel Landeskog Mm -hmm. uh, to the finish from Nathan McKinnon, you would be hard-pressed to find a bigger, better statement from a Colorado Avalanche viewpoint than what you saw last night. So a couple of things that I noticed in that game, when you have the big line of McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog on the ice with Devon Taves and Kale McCarr, it's, un- it's unfair. It's a power play at full strength mm-hmm. every single time. Those five guys 
have a synergy unlike anything I've really seen before. They are so good. Like outside of us. Well, sure, sure. Well, it depends on if Jared's in the studio. Good point. Yeah, yeah good point. Um, no, like I just, they're, they're five guys that think the game at such a high level, and watching them play off of one another is really, really entertaining. I thought Gabe Landeskog dropping the gloves early with Braden Shen was one of those tone setters. Like, listen. We know the St. Louis Blues are going to come in and try to be physical in this series. We're not afraid of that. So they, they prove they're not afraid of that. And then it's just the, the Colorado Avalanche and Nathan McKinnon going to work and wave after wave after wave finally breaking down Jordan Bennington, who was exceptional in the game, making amazing saves, especially that one with the pad on Miko Rantanen. I, I, I want to say that the Blues are going to push back. I want to say that they're going to make this a six- or seven-game series, but I think you, you, got, you got that game from your goaltender that you need to steal one, yeah. and it's still a 4-1 loss. You know, the weird part was it was a couple of uh, cross-ups defensively yeah. where uh, Colorado took advantage of in, in the third period. But other than that, St. Louis managed to stay in, in the game for a long period yeah. of time and, in fact, had some great chances early in the third. Philip Grubauer uh, ended up uh, making some key stops in, in the final period. Uh, I don't know whether St. Louis has the back end to be able to defend well enough uh, as a whole yeah. against the Colorado Avalanche. That's the one Achilles heel right now for the, for the St. Louis Blues. Experience, uh, they can score. Uh, they they can they've got great goaltending. Uh, there's there's a lot to like about St. Louis being on a roll, but without David Perron and that that blue line, it's a bad combination against the Colorado Avalanche. I will say this: Bennington is going to find somebody to fight at some point. He went down last, but I. The, the accusation and the uh, the, the criticism uh, that he was receiving that that he doesn't fight when yeah. he goes down there, yeah. that's that's misguided. It, he he goes down and last night and he got shooed away by the official. He didn't even get a chance to to drop the gloves last night. Okay, uh, but but it, I, I am looking forward to the opportunity when he when he does throw his gloves. And if they get blown out tomorrow, I think he does it again. So here's the thing. Your point's taken if this is the first time we ever see that from Jordan Bennington. How many times have we seen Jordan Bennington try to initiate a fight only to be shoot away? Nobody will fight him. Come on. Devin Dubnik didn't want to fight him. Devin Dubnik got in his face. And it was was a very quick retreat from Jordan Bennington. I'm not saying that he's afraid. I'm just saying that, listen, if this is something you've done, I don't know, conservatively like five times, then you, you kind of lose the benefit of the doubt here. Do you here. not love it? I, I do love it, but I want him to drop the gloves. If you're going to go and make a big to-do, drop the gloves. Did you see what he did uh, just to, uh, I can't remember which Colorado player it was, but had the full bear hug around the guy's helmet. Not, not around the body, but around the helmet and, and was squishing the visor down in the player's face. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's not Ron Hextallish, but it's probably the closest thing we have in our game right now. To a goaltender that can come unhinged at any time, and his own teammates love it. Listen, I'm all for that energy. I just want to see it actually turn into something. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Like, I think I think you, you get more out of Jordan Bennington actually going down and starting a fight than you do of him going down and effectively throwing a temper tantrum. Mm. 
think it shows everybody that he's in the fight. That he's that he's in it. That he's emotionally engaged. He was the he was the best player on the ice, making mm-hmm. ridiculous saves. That shows me that he's involved. After the game, I, I mean, listen, he's going to fight somebody. It's going to mm-hmm. happen because Gru- it, Grubauer tried to get into it too, and then, that's why that's why Bennington went down there. Then let him go. Well, I, I mean, Grubauer was getting some some healthy wax from Kyle Clifford at the end of the game. So like, I, I'm not I'm not going to fault Philip Grubauer for sticking up for himself. At least he threw some punches. I can't wait for game two of this one because the end of, of the opener kind of set the stage for some nastiness. Yeah. And we may get that again. And it's kind of – this series, Minnesota-Vegas, is the outlier. There wasn't there – were, it was physical the other night, but there wasn't a lot of scrums. There wasn't a lot of greasiness. It was low scoring. You know, the, the the National Hockey League, if you take away the Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild, mm-hmm. is averaging 6.6 goals a game right now. Let's get some of that. 6.6 goals. Goals are fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we'll ever get to that. Sure. But but this series is definitely the outliner. The outlier. I, I, I My guess is we're going to get bite before we get the breakout offensively. I wouldn't be surprised if this one turns into a, a bit of a, a, an exercise in chippiness. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some more scrums uh, in tonight's game. And, and I think that there's going to be a real emphasis on, on going through the Minnesota Wild. Like I, I think Ryan Reeves is going to have a, a big game in terms of just being that pain to play against. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see some fists fly. I really wouldn't. I think the first period will be highly intense. Uh, I love what they've done at T-Mobile Arena. The flags, the pennants of yep. all the teams, yep. 31 teams in the National Hockey League that are at the uh, the castle end. They've taken away the clubs that didn't qualify for the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, this is, this is my first Stanley Cup postseason with the team playing in Vegas. It's my oh, second yeah, that's playoff. Right. That's right. But I haven't gone through uh, a lot of the uh, experiences that that we and, and fans are used to mm-hmm. now being being the fourth season. So uh, being able to witness uh, some of these uh, little nuances, tweaks, and uh, I like what they, they they've done here in, in taking down taking down the banners of those that uh, that are not involved. Uh, I'm su- a little surprised the North Division banners are up there because I'm not even sure that they're participating right now. In the Stanley Cup playoffs, one more sleep, buddy. One more sleep. <laughs> like it's five days in, still haven't. Gotta love it. I'm gonna tell you my uh, my take. I've got uh, a lot of people that uh, that have been watching what's happened in the West, the Central, and the East the last few days, and they're Canadians and they're watching their favorite team, the four clubs that are going to the Stanley Cup playoffs, and we'll start tomorrow night. There's uh, there's some interesting observations that are coming from the Great White North. I'll give you that. Plus, you'll hear from Pete DeBoer and Jonathan Marcheseau so ahead of Game 2. Minnesota Wild and the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas trying to even this West Division first-round series up at 1. We're live from T-Mobile Arena on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Vancouver Canucks beat the Calgary Flames 4-2 today. 
continuation of the regular season for those two clubs. They'll wrap it up tomorrow. And then uh, tomorrow night, the uh, North Division will start its Stanley Cup playoffs with the Winnipeg Jets against the Edmonton Oilers. Montreal takes on the Toronto Maple Leafs in Game 1 on Thursday. Uh, been in contact with a bunch of people, Darren Millard, Ryan Wallace, and uh, everybody up north that's uh, reached out to me has mm -hmm. been watching the start of the playoffs. Vegas the game the Colorado game last night a lot of what's going on in the, uh, the the Pittsburgh Islander series and to a person the narrative is how are these teams up north going to transition and play a style like that that's been the <laughs> overwhelming theme of every comment directed towards me well they're not going to have to because they're playing within their division but for the, the third first round. round that's the like the the, the survivor of that division right and it goes back to you asking me is there a team that you think has no chance and then i told you that i just throw out the entire north division because i don't think that come the third round of the playoffs wherever they're going to play whoever they're going to play i just i'm not sure that they're going to be able to bring that level of intensity that they're going to need in that series it's going to be interesting i mean i think you know if, if you're looking at what's happening right now during the playoffs if you are the edmonton oilers the toronto maple leafs montreal canadians or the winnipeg jets you've got to find a way to emulate that right now you want to try to get that going right now in your first two rounds because that's where everyone's going to be comes the third round of the playoffs and i don't know that that's when you can turn the switch well there is a, a theory that the north division won't be as physical thus the team should be healthier and by the time they get to the third round, will be fresher uh, compared to, say, uh, Tampa or Florida. And that series is vicious, plus tag along uh, another series. Or this one that we're watching uh, in Vegas and Minnesota, who pounded out uh, over 100 hits in game number one. There's that sort of post. Sure, but at the same time, like, we're looking at the the north division starting their playoffs five and six days after the beginning of the of the playoffs here in the state so assuming that everything still stays on a relatively similar schedule you might have teams that are playing physical brands of hockey that are a little bit banged up having three or four days between their matchup with a team from the north so that might be enough time to kind of rest the body and ramp it back up to that playoff intensity uh, update for you, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, I apologize because this will be old. Uh, but uh, the <laughs> update for you is Pittsburgh uh, leads the New York Islanders 1-0 in Game 2 of that set. The Islanders open with a victory in Game number 1 in overtime. And Pittsburgh trying to claw their way back to even Brian Rust with the goal in that series. Yeah, it was a pretty bad goal. Was it? Oh, it was bad. Like, it was a great goal for the Penguins, for sure. But uh, Varlamov's... Um, Barlow went, yeah. eh? Yeah, he, it, uh, his controller disconnected on mm. his glove hand. Really? Yeah. Did he lose his glove? No, no, no. His controller just disconnected. Like He just didn't see the puck. Oh, okay. Just sailed right right by his glove. Wow. A little yeah. sifter yeah, uh, found the back of the net. Not particularly strong. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, deserved better in that first game uh, against the New York Islanders. I'd agree. And uh, isn't it interesting that, uh, that the Islanders go with uh, two different goaltenders to start the series in a rotation? I don't know whether that was injury uh, in induced or not but there's uh there's another team that that can mm -hmm. go with a tandem uh and barry trotz has used that uh in in the in the past but a couple of years ago when he had grice and robin Leonard, 
he settled on Robin Leonard for the uh, for the entire run uh, for the New York Islanders in that series. But uh, uh, going back and forth on that front, we'll keep you up to date on the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. But uh, coming up at the top of the hour, Pete DeBoer, Jonathan Marchessault on Game Two against the Minnesota Wild. How urgent is the feeling around the dressing room and around this arena? Send us your comments uh, via direct message or on Twitter, Ryan the Hockey Guy, at Darren Millard. Uh, let us know how you're thinking as we continue to tee this one up. It's the West Division first-round series between the Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild. Fox Sports, Las Vegas.